Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, my name's Jess Phillips, and this is yours sincerely. I've always been a prolific letter writer, both the good and bad kind, and know the power of putting words to paper. So in this podcast, I want to give my guests a chance to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. And when we've heard more about each person, they'll reveal how they would sign off each letter. Samantha Baines is an actress, podcast host and comedian. She's appeared in The Crown, Silent Witness and Call the Midwife. She currently hosts the British Podcast Award-winning podcast, The Divorce Social. Today, I'm excited to talk to her about the letters she would send to three people who mean the world to her. So, Samantha, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Not too sweaty, but Not currently braless. I'm quite sweaty, but I have got a bra on, so... Well, I mean, that's probably why. Yeah. I'll, Underwired? I'll, I'll, no, God, no. Nobody wears underwired anymore since lockdown. Do they? Do people still wear underwired? I do if I'm going out to hoy come up a bit. Oh. I tell know. you, it was month, that in the lockdown, I had my boobs reduced, so I no longer have any requirement for the underwire. But I just thought women had thrown off the underwire now. I thought that post-lockdown, we'd said ta-da to the bra. Well, I feel like I did in lockdown and then coming out of lockdown, I was so excited to like get back to normal that I was like, I'm even going to put a bra on and lipstick for other people and also just for my own boobs because I used to walk the dog and I started walking the dog without a bra on and I have quite sizable breasts so it was quite a stressful experience so actually I was like I do need something if I'm going for a dog walk. I mean I have much smaller boobs than I used to have but I still have to hold them if I walk up or downstairs and like when I'm running for a vote in parliament sometimes you have to really dash so it's like, you know, me and like Chris Chape running downstairs and I'm holding on to my boobs. It's, it's not a, you know, it's not something the male members of parliament will ever have to worry about. Anyway, this is all about letter writing. Sure. <laughs> not I might hold, I might hold a breast though, just for comfort during the recording. You feel free to hold your boob. So uh, are you much of a letter writer? No. Were you ever? 
Yes, I had pen pals when I was younger. You are, there is a category of people who come on to this podcast that basically anyone over the age of 30 like was like, yes, of course, I used to write letters. Anyone under the age of 30 has never written a letter in their lives, it would seem. So you are in the, you are in the category of the you were forced to have pen pals at school slash some people signed up for them all by themselves. Well, I think I was forced to have, I'm 35, so I was forced to have my first one, which was my mum had a friend who moved to Australia and that friend had a daughter. So I was forced to write to her daughter in Australia, even though we'd never met at that time. And and it was very much like my mum would be like, have you got a letter? Read it out to me. You know, what have you written back on her letter? So I feel like, you know, maybe that's where the performer in me came from because it felt like my pen palling was entertainment for my mother and her friend. But then... At least your mother was checking them because I think that the pen pal letter is is the device of a fantasist. You can write any old thing to your German pen pal about how exciting your life is. But if your mum is checking it, like you know you could be like i was big in japan in the 80s like you know there's lots of opportunity to be it's like when you go on a foreign holiday you can just totally reinvent yourself like with the people that you meet i think that pen palling has led to some people you know some probably quite humble people in like bavaria thinking that every british teenager is living their best life (laughs) i think my problem has always been i think my life is very exciting even when it's not so your pen pal in Australia, did she write good letters back? I mean, she wrote letters back. I don't remember them being good. But then I met an actual person that I decided to write letters to. Cause, um, so my family are all from Ireland and they moved over just before they grandma and grandpa just before they had all their kids so we never had much money like especially when my mum was growing up and when I was very young so we used to have holidays in the caravan park in Dimchurch in the UK and in the caravan park it was like really cool when I got older because I could stay out until it got dark in the playground and like hang out with the cool older kids and I met a girl there who was very cool and we decided that we were going to be pen pals and we, I think we kept it up for a good couple of years. Oh, that's good. Do you ever look her up on Facebook now and say what she's doing? I don't remember any of these people's names. I'm so bad on names. And and I I don't think I even still have the letters. Because when I was thinking about coming, talking to you about this, I was like, I wonder if those letters are somewhere. But it's funny when you think about it that you do actually have more letters than you think. Do you have any letters that you have kept? Do you have like special letters? Yes. So I was thinking about this and I was like, oh, I don't think I have any letters at all. And actually I have two on my wall. So this one isn't to me, but I found it after my dad died. I found it in his stuff and it's a letter from his dad saying, I am pleased to inform you that I wish my son, Christopher, which is my dad, to commence school at Holy Cross on April 18th next. Yours faithfully, Austin Baines. And it's got his address on it and it's like handwritten. And I just love it. My granddad. Your granddad. Talking about my dad. (laughs) That is a great letter. A great, if slightly Dickensian letter. Yeah, that's why I loved it as well. I was like, also, it's so formal. 
Like also, I'm liking that the dad was taking like uh, charge. Like I spent, I mean, many a night waking up in a hot sweat, thinking, "Have I filled in the forms for my kid to get a school?" <laughs> like, oh my god, what if I haven't applied for my child's school? Um, and you know, they go to a lot of different schools along the way. I've had a lot of those horrible moments, and like, I'm glad that your granddad was just taking. Maybe he hadn't done it and so he was just like going right the only thing for this let's write a letter also how did my dad have it because presumably it was sent to the school so maybe he wrote it but my dad never handed it in it seems like something my dad would do of just like i'll just i'll just keep this i don't don't have to tell them what i'm coming and then pretended to go to school. That's the ultimate lie. Yes. Pretended to go to school for seven years, turned up to this school <laughs> every day. Bye, bye, yeah, bye, bye. Yeah, still going, still going to school. <laughs> that would totally be him. What was um, the other letter that you had? So the other one on my wall. So it's a painting. So I was very lucky to be in The Crown season one. And I was in it with John Lithgow, who played Churchill. And I didn't have any scenes with him, but we had some rehearsals together. And one of my proudest moments is John Lithgow saying, you're very funny. And I was like, oh my God, can I put that on like an Edinburgh poster? And then he just laughed. And I was like, no, no, seriously though. Can I, can I quote you? And he just laughed again. Anyway, I thought we bonded. So he was playing Churchill. So he got into painting as Churchill did. So he painted a picture of Churchill and put his initials on it and got prints of them and wrote to us all at the end when we wrapped. And it says, To Samantha, love and thanks at the wrap of The Crown, season one, John Lithgow, um, 19th of the second, 16. So it's a sort of letter with a picture. It's very swirly. Also, do you think that he does that for every character? Do you think he tried to become an alien from Third Rock from the Sun or whatever it was that he was in? Well, also, I was like, I mean, so lovely, but we didn't spend that much time together. I was like, geez, how many of these did he have to write? (laughs) Like, so nice of him. But I was like, God, he's probably got 200 on the go. It doesn't doesn't even remember who I am. Let's hope he does, because obviously I was the really funny girl. Because he did, he said it. John Lithgow said I was funny. Proudest moment. Um, and I mean, he's really funny. Yeah, I know. That's why I was like, whoa, this is a big moment in my life. And then the other one I have, because I feel like the new thing nowadays is, because I write children's books, it is children still write letters to authors, but their parents don't seem to send the physical letter because there's a, oftentimes not a lot of place to send it to apart from your agent. So what people tend to do is take a photo of their child's letter and then like DM it to me um, on like social media. But I did get a really lovely one. And I think this was my first, it was for my book, Harriet versus the Galaxy. And I think this is the first, like I'd got drawings from um, children who'd read it before of characters but this is the first letter I'd ever got from writing a book uh, shall I read it to you it's it's quite um, difficult to read in some places dear Samantha Baines spelt wrong but sure I really love your book it was really good 
I have got an idea for your new book. Now, what I love here is she's come in being, I like your book, but I could make it better. <laughs> this is how. Um, I've got an idea for your new book. How about there are some new aliens and she has to go to space and maybe you can make Earth Muncher and he's trying to eat Earth. Here's how he should look. She's drawn a photo. I really like the design on your book. I love that it's spelt D-E-Z-I-N. <laughs> Such mean, a better way of spelling design. Better. She wouldn't get that in spelling, babe. But it no. is. Yeah. It probably it that's how they spell it in America, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, maybe she's American, true. Um, I really like the design on your book. Here's a design for the new book. So she's covered that off as well. I've got some questions. Do you have a real muncher in your home? So the munchers are aliens who eat things in the book. Maybe you could make Harriet on holiday where Sock Muncher finds socks to eat. Also, my favourite character is Robin because she's like me. Some days she likes to be a girl and some days she likes to be a boy, just like me. I really like your planet. Some are funny and some are imaginative and creative because I'd probably not think of that. I hope you like my ideas. I hope you can make some more cool books because I really like to read especially spell E-X-P-E-S-H-I-L-Y. Again, another cracker, especially your books. I hope you like my letter from Neve. Thank you for making this lovely book with a heart. And yeah, and what I love about that is originally, you know, starts off as criticism, which I respect from Nave, but also, you know, one of the characters in my book, the best friend of, of Harriet is Robin, who is non-binary. And a lot of when I was writing the book, there was a lot of kind of comments from people in the industry of, oh, you can't write a non-binary child. You know, you can't include that in your book. And I was like, well, I am. And I spoke to, you know, some people I know who are non-binary to make sure I covered, you know, their experience in a truthful way. But getting little messages like that, criticism sandwich. But then she also said, I like Robin because Robin's like me. So those are my range of letters that I've received. Yeah, that's lovely that you have those letters. And I'm going to say, as uh, the one letter that I've liked more than I liked your granddad's letter on this whole podcast, that uh, that is tops. That That is absolutely tops for just... It's like he's got a telephone voice in letter form, which I uh, appreciate. But I, I think John Lithgow, that's going right up there in the... Uh, that's impressive. Well, a lot of people on your podcast have letters from the royals. And I was like, oh, God, I can't keep up with this. So I'll have a letter from a fake royal <laughs> from the uh, crown. I mean, that's better than the royals. Also, the royals, when they write to you, no offence to them. They're not really writing it. They're just signing it. Can't you see from the... Is it typed? Often it's typed. I mean, I've got yeah. letters from the royals. Do you it's have like a... typed and then they sign it. Do you have a full handwritten one, though? Because that uh, would be... I think I probably do have one that is a, 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 like a note that is fully handwritten. <laughs> well, so weirdly, when I this is why it's sad I don't have a letter from the royals. I've had many strange jobs in my life. And when I left drama school, I was working in Heathrow Airport. And I started off like flyering. And I think just because I came into work and turned up 
and wasn't late that often. Um, they were like, oh, we're going to give you a, a, one of the good jobs. And I was like, oh, and I ended up working in the um, VIP and royal suites in Heathrow. So when any royalty, not the queen, because she had her own one, but when any royalty came through the airport, I'd have to greet them and like make sure they got their bags and stuff. So we had like the king and queen of Sweden and uh, princess of Thailand. And so I had some of our British royals. And I think as a group in the suite, we got a letter from some of them saying thanks, but it wasn't personalised and I didn't keep it. You know, that people don't know that that exists, do they? So I, if I go on a delegation to another country, like I don't have to go through like customs or anything, that somebody goes and does it for me, like you get put in. And the one in, uh, I think it's Beijing, is literally like it's like a rapper's paradise that is like it looks like something off mtv cribs and you're like massive big like leather sofas with like wood and uh, and like people serving you tea and things and somebody goes and gets your bags and, and puts you on a thing so you don't even have to go out of the entrance to the to the uh i remember thinking this this i've, I've made it i've made it I'm in a rapper's paradise in Beijing Airport and I don't have to go and get my bags. Like, but most people, like, you don't know that that even exists, do you? Like, that, that world at the airport. No. And just imagine me in the background just scurrying around like, oh, hello, we've got the king and queen of Sweden coming. Quick, get them some tea. And I was like, I just left drama school. So I was, what, like 21 trying to be an actor. Just like, oh, God, I've got to curtsy at this person and call this person ambassador. And it was it was interesting preparation for life. Yeah, it would have been good preparation for my life. I'm always like, <laughs> is this person an earl? There are so many know. rules of all the names of people. Like ambassador. I mean, I, I am like, can I just call you by your name? I, I have to meet lots of ambassadors. And they're like, yes, just call me Larry. Whenever I saw William and Harry... I wouldn't do a full curt because the, the, lots of people in the suite would like go full curtsy. And I was just like, that's a bit intense, right? So I'd just do a little head nod and they never seemed to care. To credit the royals, they don't care. You're not meant to turn your back on Prince George. So I had to like say hello to him once. This was before I was a member of parliament, was, like working at an event that he was coming to. And then they told me like, I had to look back away, like do the moonwalk. I was just like... I'm going to look really stupid, but like, because I had to like back away up a corridor. And I was like, I think I'm just going to turn my back. And he obviously didn't care, like, if I turned my back. Well, do you see, that comes very naturally to me because I'm a trained drama student. And on the, you're taught on the stage not to turn your back to the audience. So I, I would have fully kind of, I'd be like, this is what I've been training for my whole life. <laughs> So I've asked you to think of three people who you would want to send a letter to. And the first one would be the person who means the world to you. I will, as I always do, say that if you pick somebody, that does, of course, mean that you wish everybody else that you loved was dead. No, it doesn't mean that you don't love other people equally. I think that makes what I've picked more offensive. Okay. Um, because... <laughs> I've actually picked not quite a person, but I view them as a person and it's my dog, Custard. Oh, that is quite offensive to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, my dad's dead, 
And my mum's around and I'm like, obviously I love my mum. She's great. Big, strong feminist. Awesome. Love my sister. She's great. She's an artist. But the dog, (laughs) another level, changed my life. What sort of dog is it? Miniature wirehead. Now, now's the problem. Dachshund, 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 sausage dog. Okay, but it's a good job you said sausage dog because even as I, the words, what sort of dog is it, came out of my mouth. So I thought, if it isn't one of the top five dogs I know, I'm not going to know what this dog is. If it isn't like a Whippet, a Doberman, a Labrador, I have heard of a sausage dog. Then I can't I'm believe Whippet was your go-to. I saw three Whippets just before okay. we started recording. <laughs> and somebody said, those dogs look like horses. It's like you're running the Grand National. And so it stuck out to me. <laughs> Because I was going to say, like, of the top five breeds, I wouldn't immediately go to whip it, but sure. Well, I just saw some whippets and a man on the street made a funny joke about them. <laughs> They've stayed with me. Um, so, uh, so it's a dachshund. It's a small dog. Yeah, basically the opposite of a whippet. The smallest, okay. the smallest you can find. Oh, they're quite long-faced, aren't they? Yeah, but she, because she's wire-haired, she's like looks a little bit like a teddy bear crossed with a sausage dog because her hair all is all sticky outy rather than smooth, um, and she's called Custard. And, and how long has Custard been with you? Custard has been with me. Oh, she's sixteen months old. I thought you were going to say she's sixteen, and I was about to be like. Zoom oh, no, she's just she's just arrived. She's a new addition uh, oh, lockdown to, dog. to the Baines household. No, after lockdown, because I was like, I don't want to be a. I wanted to get a dog, and then lockdown happened, and everyone was getting lockdown dogs, and I was like, I don't want to be a lockdown dog person. So then I waited till just after and got her. So I'd always wanted a dog, but people had always like my mum was like, No, you won't be good at that. And my, um, hence why I didn't pick her for the letter, please. And and I was um, I was married before, and then I got divorced. And my hus- my ex husband had always been like mm, about dogs. So this was my like, I'm gonna finally do it and get a dog. And she's just the best thing ever. And she's great. Like I think she's she's really wise. If you look into her eyes. She can really see into your soul and she'll tell you stuff about yourself. I also have a cat called Queen Victoria and I've had the cat for a long time. There were two of them, Victoria and Albert, and then Albert died, which is historically accurate. Yeah, I know. I should have known. Why did I call them that? I love you, Albert. Um, But Queen Victoria, yeah, is very ambivalent. Like once I was crying post-divorce, which I talk about on my podcast, and she just like walked towards me and I thought, oh, she knows. She can feel the emotion. She's going to come and comfort me. She sniffed my face and walked away. Yeah. What she was saying was, no wonder you got divorced. (laughs) She was saying, you smell like tears and sorrow. Bye. So mean. Whereas Custard would be like, let me lick up those tears and cheer you right up. So do do they get on? Custard and Queen Victoria? Not really. They sort of, they, I feel like they like each other from afar. And they, I think it's a bit like a kind of school scenario where like, 
you actually like get on with the popular girl from school when you're both at home because you live next door to each other and you play in the back garden but then when you're at school you don't talk to each other um so I like to imagine it's a bit of like a toy story scenario that when I'm not there (laughs) they're best friends but they're just doing it for my benefit to create a bit of tension and why is that so good? Custard is a sort of support animal, I guess. I got her after my divorce. I was living alone for the first time in my life. I like owned a house on my own. It was really scary, but I managed to do that. And I had to, I was suddenly like, oh, I have to do all the bills on my own. And this is my space now and I need to redecorate it. And I was, you know, going out in the world and finding out who I was without that other person. And then Custard was just there for all of it. Like my mate being like, yeah, go you. And then hanging around with me. And I have anxiety as well. And I have, um, I'm deaf in one ear and I have a hearing aid and I'm an ambassador for RNID, which is a deaf charity. And my children's books have deaf protagonists and things like that. And I'm writing a book at the moment, um, a non-fiction book about deafness. But a lot of times in my life, like that sort of deafness, and especially during the the end of the pandemic, coming back out into the world again, after being in an environment of sound that I completely control, and then going back out into these environments, I felt super sensitive to sound and being overwhelmed. So actually having a little cute thing with me as a support for me, but also like a distraction because people be like, oh, and just talk, want to talk to the dog and stroke the dog. I mean, also see under this children um because like I, I sometimes i have to go to events and i really don't want to go and if one of my kids will come with me i mean my eldest one won't come with me anymore but my younger one will still come with me they are just like look at them <laughs> look at them don't bother me i'll just go to the buffet like talk to them like there is definitely and dogs honestly like the uh, i can't remember what it, it was maybe it was i don't know in friends it was a baby wasn't it they took a baby out to try and get women in marley and me he tries to get women by having the dog. But I'd like to welcome you to the world of dogs because it's a wonderful world. I, I, I'm a dog person over a cat person. and But uh, unlike you, I have not got divorced. And my husband hates dogs. He thinks they're needy. Well, uh, one day. <laughs> he's just said, yeah, that's it. I look forward to my divorce. So you can get a dog. So I can get a dog. My, I come from a dog family. We're, we're totally ambivalent towards cats. We consider them to be the conservatives of animals. Uh, accurately so and dogs are the socialists of uh, of uh, animals and yeah so we're, we're we're dog people and my husband has groomed me into being a cat person so uh, I mean that's really nice that she's like a support animal I mean, she's now making a noise in the background as if to prove her existence. But yeah, she sort of... And and actually, because at the time when I was thinking about getting a dog, I found out about this great charity called Hearing Dogs that provide support dogs for people who are deaf. Um, but they also do this started doing this thing where if the dog because the dog has to pass so many stages to become a fully fledged um, hearing dog so if the dog had passed a few stages but then it couldn't do the rest for whatever reason they were then um, you could apply if you had um, hearing loss or deafness that wasn't profound like mine and and get a hearing dog but then I just felt so guilty that I might be taking away from someone that would need it more than me that I was like oh I'll just get a dog separately so so yeah but I'm so glad I got custard and she's 
brilliant and uh i hope she lives for four million years i hope also that custard lives for don't get her um a companion dog that has a name that would likely die before custard no rhubarb (laughs) if anything it's rhubarb yeah yeah. and the but the root i think the custard does usually outlast the rhubarb in a rhubarb and custard so yeah, because rhubarb can rot, whereas custard normally has a lot of preservatives in well, it. I am from that. I am from, and used to work, in fact, in uh, the Birds Custard Factory. So um, I'm in impressed. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't a custard factory when I worked there. It's it's like oh. an art space, <laughs> and I worked in the bar. Um, but it's, I'm sad yeah. that you don't like have a lifetime supply of custard from birds. I don't. But there is like, in this big art space, there is a huge pool. Uh, that was put in when it was made into an art space. Like it's like just a big pond. It was dirty, and when people used to try and jump in it when they were pissed, it's very funny because it's very shallow. Uh, but when my kids were little, my husband told them because he used to also work in the custard factory as an art space, uh, and we he said that that was where they mixed the custard. <laughs> like it was like, <laughs> and my children believed that I think until probably about a week ago. So you know, I've got fond memories of the the custard factory well i should take custard to the, to the custard, custard factory. factory of all well, there's going to be loads of people with dogs there now it's all like you know cafes and bars and trendy things so you you should definitely go on a pilgrimage to digbert in birmingham to the birds custard factory do a photo shoot with custard at the home custard. of custard indeed it's actually- imagine all the likes I'd exactly it's perfect <laughs> um there's quite a lot of old custard paraphernalia about the place so yes totally perfect um so how would you sign off your letter to custard um i'd write treats in capitals <laughs> and then kiss kiss because that's her favorite word Right then, so the second letter I asked you to write is to somebody who's no longer with us. I hope this isn't now to your cat. <laughs> and this is to Albert. No, no. I got a tattoo for Albert to commemorate him, so that's Oh my fine. gosh, you are a very committed pet over. Yeah, also I love tattoos. Um, but Albert once killed me a magpie, which is extreme. Oh, because that's magpies sweet. are huge. Yeah, and he left cool. it outside my bedroom, so I've got a little tattoo of a magpie for him. Oh. Anyway, the letter's not for him. Um, <laughs> it's for my dead dad. Yay! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a tattoo for your dead dad? Um, yeah, well, I have, I had, this is this is fun, but I had my two grands, so my Irish gran and my English grandma and my dad die all within like a year of each other. Yeah, it was intense. So I've got um, like three butterflies up my back for for the deadens as I call them um but I'd write my dad a letter because in it I'd want to ask him about when he died because he died on my Hindu. oh what I think feel like this was like a sign yeah that I should get divorced yeah my maid of honor said to me afterwards like your dad died on your Hindu. how is that not a sign that you shouldn't have got married but I did I enjoyed the marriage for like a year so um, yeah yeah um no but so I should say he wasn't on my Hindu with 
me like I didn't kill him on my hendo um but I was on my hendo and my friends had got a butler in the bath um because it's like a, f- a fancy stripper I think is the like oh it's okay but actually he was so lovely and he was ginger and freckly and he was studying physics and we just had a chat about science because I really like science I used to do stand up about science in the universe so we just had a chat about physics and my auntie got over excited and tried to hit him on the bum and I was like you cannot do that Anyway, so that had all just happened. We were like bottle of Prosecco down each, um, all dressed up to go out. He just left. And then I got a phone call saying your dad's dead. He was in a care home. So he was ill, but he wasn't like on death's door. We didn't think that this would be a phone call we'd get. It might have been like, oh, your dad's got ill and we've had to take him to hospital. But I never expected he's just dead. So he had um, a lung disease and pulmonary fibrosis, which is like a heart thing, and COPD, which is the lung thing. Did he get that from um, work or from smoking? Smoking, yeah. Mm. He was a big old smoker. He used to smoke cigarettes and then he got um, hypnotised to stop him smoking cigarettes. So instead he smoked cigars. And he like fully inhaled cigars, like and smoke as many cigars as he would have smoked cigarettes. So, yeah, he knew he knew it was coming, but he was only 60. So it was a bit of a shock to everyone. But actually, also, he was like life and soul of the party, fun guy, comedy guy. So a part of me is like, did you just die when I was on my Hindu for a laugh? Because it was funny. And because all of my friends and family were with me, so it's perfect. But my maid of honour was like, she said to me afterwards, she had to go around taking down all the penis paraphernalia. Because, so I'm bisexual, but I married a man. So uh, there were penises everywhere. So she had to go around taking it all down. And then none of my friends really knew what to do. So they just started cooking pasta. (laughs) They were like, yeah. That's a solid move. Soup. My sister-in-law, just whenever there's any trauma, just starts (laughs) cooking soup. soup. Sure. Yeah, I just make some soup. I'm definitely more of a carb scale. Um so so yeah, so it was it was an interesting one. But he used to um I used to go through my jokes with him and um he was so supportive of me. And actually, you know, talking about Jonathan Lithgow earlier, the last thing my dad saw me in was the crown. He watched it literally like two days before he died yeah and um it's probably gone downhill from there so good (laughs) it was good he died then (laughs) no joke i'm so sorry to all of the productions i've been involved with since then um (laughs) you're you're all great i thought more you were like gonna be so sorry for people who like find it offensive for people to laugh about their dead family but no oh no i'm like he's my dad i can laugh about him if i want to yeah 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 we got him cremated and I thought the whole thing was very funny and I know a lot of comedians do shows about kind of death and stuff and I was thinking about doing one for a while but um, then I got into all these books and things but just had to write a book instead Um, but it was very funny we got him cremated and my sister and I just thought the whole process was hilarious because when you pick out a coffin it's a lot like picking out a kitchen 
because they show you all the different types of wood and like different color handles. So we were in hysterics in the funeral home and my mum was like, this is really inappropriate, girl, stop it. And the woman in the funeral home didn't know what to do with us because obviously people didn't normally hysterically laugh in that scenario. My, my One of my best mates had a stillborn uh, baby and obviously it's very, very traumatic but which we were quite young uh, and um, she said that she became hysterical in the funeral home because they were talking to her about limousines and she just imagined a load of girls in really short white dresses going up and down like Broad Street in Birmingham in a limo and she's just like started laughing at the idea that she was going to go in a limo to obviously limousine is just the name for a big car um and she's just like it was totally inappropriate but just just like absolutely in hysterics at this idea of us going like woo with a big bottle of champagne <laughs> like I personally think you have to find the comedy moments in grief when my mum died she was 61 um and she still lay in the house with us dead at this point like she died at home and we were waiting for the undertakers to come and get her and my aunt and uncle were there and my my husband and my dad and some of our brothers and my auntie raised said which you know she's a lovely woman my auntie raised, she said oh you know i know people always say this when somebody dies but i really can't think of anything i didn't like about you mum uh, she was a great woman and there's a sort of silence, a sort of knowing, nodding silence. And my husband just said, I absolutely hated the way she called crumpets pikelets. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, like... Hang on, I've, I've got something. I, I, I've, got I've got one. <laughs> Did you all then start sharing things you didn't <laughs> yeah, like? Yeah, like, actually, it's really annoying the way she just always bought cushions. Uh... <laughs> But weirdly, on the way back from my hen do, because we had to cut it short early, I'd pre-recorded a radio show on Virgin Radio. And I talked about my dad loads. And I don't even know why, but loads of the songs that I'd picked had reminded me of him. And so we were driving back from my hen do where we'd found out he died, listening to this radio show that I'd recorded two weeks earlier with loads of memories of my dad in it. It was the weirdest scenario but yeah so it'd be for my dad i am starting to think your dad planned yeah. it i i 100 think he did yeah it feels it feels that way uh, and what was your dad's name it was in the letter chris area. chris that's right chris. chris austin i remembered austin because it sounded like a very powerful name austin. <laughs> he was chris. actually a very quiet man when i knew him austin but chris wasn't my dad wasn't he was like yeah let's get around in he'd literally buy everyone in a pub like you know that old-fashioned thing of like does that even happen anymore he would buy everyone in the pub a drink and my mum used to be like stop it we've got not very much money this week <laughs> you're gonna spend it all on buying people drinks he's like yeah it's fine so um yeah that's what he was like so how was your wedding then because presumably your dad was gonna be there and then so I had an early, uh, so because he was really ill um, and I'd planned my wedding in Edinburgh, which is where I met my ex, we had an earlier wedding, which was like a small occasion that he could be at, which we just had in a registry office near his care home. So that was like the official sign bit. Um, but then, yeah, by the big wedding that we got like the big dress for and the cake and everything, he was already dead. So, yeah. And the morning of my wedding, I put on my wedding dress and just cried because my dad wasn't there. But it was fun apart from that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and then you know, my poignant speeches about him. Now you have to do that bit in a wedding for the people who aren't there. Like there's that. I mean, you don't have to, but that I've been to weddings where that happened. Uh, yeah, that. Was yeah, the- I think when when we had the registry office version, we just went for dinner afterwards, and. Um, um, and I got my dad to do a speech and his speech was just that when I was born, um, there were a load of medical students in the room for my birth watching and they'd never seen a baby born before. And I came out in a rush of blood and splattered all four of them with blood and they looked really shocked like they want to be sick. And then he said, and that's when she, we knew that she was going to be a performer because she knew how to make an entrance. And that was that was his speech. And so I then I was actually quite pleased he didn't do that at the proper wedding. So I was like, Dad, <laughs> you're meant to say like lovely things about how kind and generous I am. And not that like my first memory of her was splattering loads of students with blood. Um, but yeah, so my uncle did a speech and said some nice things about my dad. So that was oh, nice. That's nice. So how would you sign off your letter to your dad? Probably just miss you. Or cheers. He always said cheers. So probably cheers. Cheers. After he bought everyone a drink. I mean, that's the standard that, you know, if they didn't, imagine if you bought everyone a drink and then you didn't do a cheers, it would have been pointless to. Uh, <laughs> or you just left. To- yeah. Silently. Thanks, mate. I'm going to the beer garden. Like... <laughs> Let me tell you about something exciting coming up. This autumn, I'm hosting my first ever live audience recording of Yours Sincerely. I'll be closing off the final night of the Birmingham Literature Festival by interviewing the author, broadcaster and founder of Beauty Banks, Sally Hughes. Come and join us on October the 9th at the Birmingham Rep for a great conversation and the chance to ask your own questions. To find out more and get tickets, visit the Birmingham Literature Festival website, which will be linked in the description. Ever yearned for the perfect pub to reveal itself from some unexpected alley? Well, The Moon Underwater is the podcast for you. Join me, John Robbins, and the lovely Robin Allender Hi. as we help a special guest create their dream pub. From the drinks behind the bar to the music on the jukebox, The Moon Underwater is whatever you want it to be. So, if you would like to join us in Desire's beating heart, search The Moon Underwater. Or maybe The Moon Underwater will search for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So the final letter I asked you to think about was to somebody who doesn't know the effect that they've had on your life or would be surprised. So who would that be? So the final, has anyone ever done it to you? I just thought, no, and that, no. wouldn't that be great? No, it would be you cool. have would had be really an effect. Cool. Okay, well, it's it's not you. So, um, <laughs> why did I bring it up? Um, but I just thought, wouldn't that be nice? Maybe oh, I should change be, it. I would find it. I would. I'd much rather they said that they hated me. I, I find it would be unbearable. Slash, I'd love it, and everybody should do it. <laughs> Slash, please send in lots of letters about why you love me. Um, no, so the final one would be to my GP. I can't even remember her name. This was like two, this was two house moves ago. So it was when I lived in um, South Woodford near Essex on the central line. And, and it was the GP I went to because I had tinnitus, but I didn't know it was tinnitus at the time. And I genuinely, I, this sounds stupid, but I genuinely thought I had like a spider living in my ear because it made a whooshing noise when there were loud noises like. And we've all read those stories about people who had spiders like eggs laid in their ear. That's like, that. that's like, you know, a really common like. Yeah. Or uh, I've seen noise. YouTube videos where they're like pop something and all this stuff crawls out so um and i didn't know that tinnitus was anything other than a high-pitched ringing noise so i went to the gp saying i know this sounds weird but can you check there's nothing living in my ear and she was very nice to me and said there's nothing living in your ear um but maybe let's send you for a hearing test and at the time i thought oh god you know maybe they just get a bonus if they send you for a hearing test or something like why is she fine i'll go so cynical now about people doing i know oh a referral oh who's getting a bung for that (laughs) yeah yeah oh you've obviously all been told that you need to focus on hearing a bit more fine i'll go for a hearing test so really i did it for her um and then i went for this hearing test and i always say to people the funny thing is you can't hear what you can't hear but in an eye test you can see that you can't read the bottom line whereas in it and i'm really competitive so in this hearing test i thought i'd smashed it i thought i was gonna like because they put you in a little booth i thought i was gonna walk out of the booth and they were gonna be like oh my god you have the best hearing we've ever seen you're like superman you have 2020 hearing which isn't a thing and actually they said i had hearing loss in both ears and it was moderate in one ear and so they'd advise i use a hearing aid so that hearing test changed my life and I would never have gone by myself. Looking back, I can see all the signs, but at the time I had no idea that I might have. When you were a kid, I was discussing this um, with some other people recently because I'm partially deaf in one of my ears. Um, <gasps> Yay, yeah, you're uh, in the club. Not, yeah. It's a story of negligence on the part of my parents that... 
I had an ear infection when I was a kid and uh, it burst my eardrum, basically. It got so bad that my eardrum burst. But my mum said, like, it smelled so bad, like, she didn't know what the smell was, right? So she had, like, the drains cleaned and things. <laughs> and it turned out it was my ear. That's how badly infected it was. So, um, but, and I don't know whether this is why I have this experience, but I was speaking to some adults about the same age as me, my husband and our, our, our contemporaries. When I was a kid at primary school, we used to have hearing tests all the time. And I was saying, or oh, maybe that was me because I had this problem and they were trying to like sort out my ears and I always had problems with my ears. Um, but my husband was like, no, we definitely had it. Where you had to sit in the class. It was just like, like in the days of school nurses, like the, the knit nurse and stuff. And we used to have our tests as well. You'd have to sit with a ruler and listen to something and it would like play a beat or something. And you had to hit the thing with the ruler. Um, it was just as simple as that, but we I had that done, I'm going to say, every single year that I was in primary school, until I was about, maybe about eight, that was a thing. But that doesn't seem to be like a standardised thing anymore, that my kids certainly haven't had it, and but I definitely had, uh, and my husband says he remembers it as well, having your, like, at least, like, yearly or two-yearly hearing test. Yeah, I never had that, and actually, so... My new book that I'm writing at the moment is called um, Living with Hearing Loss and Deafness and Owning It and Loving It. And it's a non-fiction book. And it's basically the book I looked for when I was told I needed a hearing aid and wanted to find out more about it. And at the time, I could only find the sort of like academic versions of it. But when I was born, there was no hearing screening or test for yeah, newborn yeah. Kids, babies. My kids have that. Yeah, my kids yeah. did have that. They did like they came round like the day they were born and did it. Yeah, and yeah. it and it's it came in from like the nineties. But then also, I think in I had loads of ear infections. I had glue ear when I was younger. I don't ever remember having a hearing test during that time and now looking back like I have I have two types of tinnitus I used to do a joke there two types of tinnitus because it was buy one get one free and I love a bargain <laughs> um, but then I said that on Sky News and I got trolled um, even oh. though it's my tinnitus well let um, me tell you I have a league table of places if you say things anything where you'll get trolled and Sky News is at the top uh, is it? So if I go on the BBC and say something exactly the same uh, as what I say on Sky News, I will get trolling for the Sky News. That's but good to know. You, you're just more likely. I don't know why, but it, Sky News, top, top troll. I also went on GB News once just to give it a go. Um, and I obviously got trolled from that, but I expected it. And I actually didn't get as trolled as I expected. And I was sort of disappointed. <laughs> um, well, my news is the pinnacle, that's why I'm telling okay, you. Okay, yeah, that's why. extensive research. <laughs> well, so I, yeah, so I had tinnitus from like age 12. And I just never had a hearing test that whole time. So actually I'd gone through my whole life. And, um, you know, now I'm ambassador for RNI. And I know that it takes on average 10 years for someone to notice the signs of hearing loss and deafness and do anything about it. And there are also 12 million people in the UK with some form of hearing loss or deafness. So, yeah, so there's loads of us. And but it kind of changed my life finding that out and getting my hearing aid and learning who I was 
now I had a hearing and what that meant and would I lose my job because I'd done a lot of period dramas and I was like can I be in period dramas now if I have a hearing aid and I used to present on the radio and I was like can you be a deaf radio presenter don't worry you can still do all of those things if you're worried um and it what how do you get over the period drama thing so either they hide it so you can get an inner ear hearing aid that you can't see or they can hide it or you could just like take it off for the scene and then obviously as long as everyone knows and is very accessible with their communication then it's fine but um but it also led me to start writing children's books with deaf protagonists because I realized that I'd never read any myself which led led to my lovely letter from earlier and now I'm on my third book so it it kind of changed my life and I've met so many incredible people through working with the charity and doing campaigns for them and we've just been working on a subtitle campaign um to to get uh because I think the um the law I don't know if it was a law but the recommendation was passed and so all the legislation is there already but things still haven't been changed to put that into practice so that channels have to subtitle 80% of their content, um, especially on-demand services. So I've been getting involved with that and, yeah, just ended up doing really cool things that I never thought I'd do. And it's all down to that GP who sent me for hearing test. His name you cannot remember. Yeah, awfully, yeah. She wasn't my regular, just to say, she wasn't my regular GP. Like, I didn't see her every week. It was that sort of, like, you turn up and you just get whoever's on shift. Oh, good for her. Uh, She's obviously a good GP. She is. Thank you very much, GP. uh, My mum had tinnitus caused by years of uh, transcribing things, like wearing uh, earphones and, like, uh, in sort of like you know being sec she was like a secretary at the university and she had to like transcribe thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of data and research um and that's what she put that down to but i'm literally living and it was so, having it was like torture for her at times having tinnitus um but and she she got hearing aids and stuff in in the end but again like she just didn't do anything about it like it's that 10-year thing I can totally believe that um but my son is a drummer and I uh, I live in total fear about his ears and I say are you wearing the things because he has so he can hear the music he puts things in his ears and then I think oh that's probably not any better like oh like He's not protecting his ears. I don't know why I'm saying I don't know whether he does or not. I know that he doesn't. And I am living in desperate fear that he's going to, like, damage his ears. So well, he, he get him on the phone to me and yeah. I'll tell him all about it. Uh, he can already do sign language because he did learn it at school. So That's uh, amazing. Oh, God. There's, there is nothing. If you think you've seen anything that is like moving and emotional and as the commonwealth games has just left my city i literally cried every day in pride at the place where i come from but there is nothing i have ever seen that is as moving as watching a children's choir i could cry thinking about it singing and doing sign language my kid my son was in this choir at his school that they did sign language and the kids from the Alexandra Deaf School in Birmingham, which is a great school, um, they came along and just the look on their faces that these kids had learned that sign language, and it was like they were doing like, this is me from 
the greatest showman. I was oh just God, like, you're actually I, I, like, going. Uh, me and my mate, funnily enough, we're all called Jess. I've got two uh, mates whose kids are, everybody who was born in 1981 is called Jess. Uh, Jess or Amy, those are the two options. And my two mates, uh, Jess uh, and Jess, who were sat next to me, and my dad was with me, who wears two hearing aids. And um, <laughs> we were literally beside ourselves. I was like that rocking in like, it was just so emotional. And my dad was literally like, what is wrong with you? You hysterical lunatics. <laughs> but it is the most moving thing you'll ever see. A choir, it's signing, it's moving. I hosted the National Signing competition this year which is choirs who sign in instead of singing so they play the music and they just cry the whole time (laughs) no because i had to host it and me just blubbing through introducing people but it was it's so beautiful and like um that it like choreographed and like emotional and funny and they had props it was incredible it's incredible I, i went to see um uh, as you like it I think it was at, at Stratford when I was like 18 or something and the signing person was there that day I mean, not the signing person there was, you have to have about 15 of them because it's a, it's a big ask doing an entire Shakespeare play um, so coming on and on and like you just I found I'm just watching that I'm just I'm, like the expression the it's just amazing. I went to see Pearl Jam in Hyde Park recently and it had signing and it's just these people like rocking out. It's so cool. And I found myself not watching Eddie Vedder, the man I once believed I was going to marry, and instead just watching this woman on the side just like rocking away to the... the it's like it's it's better than the main event. Uh, and uh, I did a, an event with, I think it was Sarah Millican, uh, at Birmingham Town Hall and we had signers I know that that is Birmingham um, but um, the, and we just started just get, we just the, the signing just took over the whole show it's just us going tell us what the sign for this is and like, so I know the sign for vibrator but, <laughs> hearing people always ask for the rude ones first <laughs> obviously Obviously, I know the sign for vagina and penis, and and I'm a deaf person, but that's the first ones I learned. Um, but yeah, it's it's incredible. There are so many great uh, sign interpreters, BSL interpreters, and uh, a brilliant one who does a lot on Instagram is called Fletch, and she's deaf, but she's a sign interpreter, which makes and and actually deaf interpreters are awesome because they also understand the culture of sign language and are immersed in that that deaf language and the advancements within the language because it's changing all the time. And so, yeah, and she works with someone to like keep her on time to the music, but she's incredible. She did Ed Sheeran recently and she shares it on Instagram and stuff and it's, oh, yeah, no, awesome. It was, better, it was better than the band. I mean, yeah. the sign <laughs> woman was rocking considerably harder. <laughs> Well, yeah, I've done comedy gigs that have been um, signed before and just having fun with the signing is is great. It's it's... Like, this person's better. Like, let's just talk to this person and do the <laughs> signing. It's just like, this is the best. Um, so, yeah, I uh, so, but, so my son does already sign, so which will help him when he basically plays the drums so loud that he uh, harms his ears. Well, you can get things called attenuators, which are, basically it's like an earplug 
But instead of blocking out all the sound, it lets in some sound so you can still hear the music, but it only safe levels of sound. So when I hosted Magic Mike Live, which was very loud, um, I used to have an attenuator in my non-hearing aid ear. I mean, you, you need to tell me more about hosting Magic Mike Live. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I did. So I originated the role in London. So it's already a show in Vegas. So we went to see it in Vegas, worked with Channing Tatum on the script in LA. I literally can't, I can't, I literally can't, I can't bet. Like Channing Tatum is, you know, the card in Friends where you're allowed to have sex with somebody. Channing Tatum is both mine and my husband's top one. (laughs) (laughs) He'd love that. Um, uh, So, yeah, because... Favourite film. (laughs) Well, when when you said about letters, I was thinking, do I have any letters from Channing? I've got some really nice like messages he sent me about the show, but I was like, he's not really written it into a letter format, so I don't know if it counts. Still my beating heart, Channing Tatum. <laughs> I mean, specifically dancing to Pony in the Magic yeah. Mike, but yeah. for my husband, it's the Step Up Years. That's his yeah, main event. Sure. Um, well, he's a very nice man, I can tell you. He smells very nice. The first time I met him, so creepy. So we flew we flew to Vegas to watch the show and then we went to LA to work with him on the script. And um, and obviously I was like, oh my God, what, what am I going to wear? Because we're like sort of in rehearsals. So I don't want to dress up, but I also want to look good, but like cash, like I just threw it on, whatever's high, Chan. Um, so in the end, I went for like a cash dress and I was so like ramped up about meeting him. And then he's just so relaxed and calm. So he just says like, hello, when he meets you in a really open way. And so I just went, you smell nice. <laughs> that was the first thing, like before saying hello, because like, he said hello and hugged me and I just, in his ear, you smell nice. I mean, said, it, thank it, you. I wouldn't cope. I wouldn't cope. I, w- I would just literally immediately ask him to like, I mean, come home to me. I'm my husband. Um, I mean, this is going to be in the Daily Mail now, but it's okay. <laughs> okay, I love fine it. with it. Funny well, I, I actually pooed in his um, in his house in LA because also I have anxiety. So we were there working on the script. It's like his house office, so it's not his actual home. Um, but we were there working on the script, and I have anxiety, and I poo when I'm nervous. So like within an hour of being there, I was like, oh, can I just pop to the toilet and then it's like you know when you go to the loo on a date and you think oh my god the date's waiting this obviously wasn't a date it was a work scenario but Channing Tatum was waiting and so I was like he's gonna know if I'm too long (laughs) he's gonna be like she's pooing and so I had like I had a poo and it was the most stressful it was like go 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 and then when I'd done it I was like oh my god do I open a window or like there was a little thing that you could spray but then if you spray the thing afterwards they know because you can smell the it was really strange in the end I just left the door ajar so the smell would like just um dissolve hopefully into the environment i have told him that story and he loved okay. so okay good uh i don't know how to, <laughs> i don't know how to behave with a person who's even met telling Tatum. so you were you were like tell me all about it and i love that i went straight into i was i creepily said he smells nice and then i pooed in his office but he's very nice he's a very nice director and he laughs at my jokes so that's i nice. mean him at john lithgow 
I mean, you're getting all the big hitters. This has been excellent. I'm living my best life. You are totally. You're living everybody's best life. <laughs> Mine and my husband's. I can't. I'm going to go. We're going for Korean food now. I'm just going to talk about this the whole time. This is, this I mean, is sure. the, over noodles now, me and my husband. This is it's going to be. Feel free to message. Like Channing Tatum. We both love him so much. Feel free um, to message me any questions <laughs> that you have. If I can help in any way with the fantasy role play scenario. <laughs> I'm here for you. So good. Well, thank you so much, Samantha. It has been so much fun talking. We could just talk all day just about Channing Tatum uh, and and anything else. Uh, It has been a total pleasure. So thank you so much for doing it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips. If you want to hear more conversations just like this, make sure you follow Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips on the podcast provider of your choice. And why not write a letter to your friends, telling them all about this podcast? You could also follow us on social media. We're at Jess Phillips Pod. Goodbye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.